Acts chapter 16, notice verse number 25. I'm going to focus just on this verse and due to time just look at some very, uh, just the last part actually of this verse. But verse number 25 says this. And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. Look at this last phrase, the part of the verse. And the prisoners heard them. We're not going to take time to go through the whole chapter here, but you know what everything that's taken place here. Paul and Silas have been thrown in jail uh, because they cast out an evil spirit from a damsel. And because of the people that owned her, they lost their income or a part of it. And so they got frustrated and, and accused Paul and Silas and got them thrown in jail. Now, here Paul and Silas are, and they are at midnight. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praise unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Um, what I would like to ask you this morning as, or this evening is, have you been heard? Amen. Have you been heard? Amen. And what are they hearing from you? Amen. You know, we're living in a, so, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, a world that is so connected through social media. Uh, if you try to find me, you're going to have a hard time. I've got, uh, it is, uh, it's not Telegram like you go and Telegram. I do have an app that's Telegram and Signal if you want to get, that's social media for me. I don't go venture farther than that, but I know everybody else pretty much does. And so you're getting all this kind of stuff. And people talk about everything out there. They, you get on these bandwagons and you go and you hear all kinds of stuff that you shouldn't be hearing as well. And a lot of times we even sometimes are being heard, not only on social media, but even through our lives in ways that we ought not to be heard. Amen. So we need to take a time and really evaluate where we stand here. Have you been heard and what have they been hearing from you? Now, a few things here very quickly. Now, who did uh, these prisoners hear? The Bible says it was Paul and Silas. Now, why Paul and Silas? Well, Paul and Silas, they were faithful men on a mission. And if there has been a time when, as I mentioned earlier, if there's been a time where we need to be faithful men and women on the mission that God has given us, it's today. Right. We need that. Now, no, there's no excuse. And this isn't anything new. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, the Bible says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I'm with you all, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So we have a commandment that we're supposed to go and we're supposed to teach. In Mark 16, 15, he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Yeah. You know, this is a command. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that was a choice. Right. The, you heard the gospel, the Holy Spirit convicted, and you either chose or rejected Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Once you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are adopted into the family of God. Amen. A lot of your choices stop except for the choice to obey or disobey. Yes. And this is a command. And he said, go, teach. Now, he not only commands us to preach, but he tells us what to preach. And I love this. I, when I was working, started out at John Hicks, I knew down in Brazil, now we do have automatic transmissions, but when I grew up down there, it was all just straight shift. So when Dad tore things apart, I knew how everything worked, but it had to be a straight shift. Uh, even those old straight shifts without synchronizers. You know, you learn how to even drive those things. Very nice. But when I started working at, at John Hicks, they needed somebody. I don't know if you remember back in the days when Chrysler came out with the minivan and the A604 transmission, four-speed automatic. I loved those things. There was never a better transmission because it was job security for me. They were dropping like flies. 
And so at the dealership, we only had one guy that would build them. And so the shop foreman came through there and said, hey, we need somebody else. I said, I'll do it. Have you had any experience? No, but I'll do it. So they put me beside Alan Hyde, and Alan Hyde showed me how he took him apart and showed me how to do it. It works better than giving me a book, I'll tell you that much. But he took it apart, and he showed me how to do it. I got to where I was building two of those a day. Loved it. I mean, you talk about gravy. As a mechanic, that's what we call it, gravy. When you, you got, your car can be a gravy or it can be a problem. We love it when it's a gravy car. And, uh, and it was just, it was wonderful. But God did the same thing for us. He not only saved us, but then he gave us a command. Say, listen, this is what I want you to do, and this is how you do it. Amen. And he said in, in Luke chapter 24, 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. If you go over to Isaiah chapter 61, 1, the Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, know this right here, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Listen, they are bound out there. We were bound at one time. And if we're not careful, and now trust me, I don't believe that you can lose your salvation, but if you're not careful, you can be bound up in circumstances to where you're not being used by God like he wants you to be. We need to be careful about that. Not only did, who did they hear? They heard Paul and Silas. Now, why did they hear Paul and Silas? Well, because Paul and Silas were not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not ashamed of the gospel. We have no reason to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we testify in here. We sing about it. We worship. We lift our hands and everything else. But when we walk out of these doors, something happens. And it's not like the world sees. They're not watching us in here out there looking through the windows to see how we're doing things. And that is why it's so essential that we are not ashamed of the gospel out there. It's easy when we're all together. I'll be honest, it is. But when you're out there by yourself, then what? I tell our people when they get saved down there and, you know, go, I try and encourage them to go out and tell others and witness and, and, you know, win the loss for Christ. You know, you don't have to be a Bible school scholar or graduate to know how to witness to somebody. All you have to do is share your personal testimony. Listen, I was, as I told you, I was raised in the mission field. I knew nothing but, listen, when I was old enough, I was playing, when I got to play a saxophone, I played saxophone in church. I led music. I, I worked with the young people, taught Sunday school. I did all of that kind of stuff. I was even baptized twice, if that counts. But I was lost and on my way to hell. 17 years old, I remember we came home on furlough. We were in Elkins, Arkansas, just outside of Fayetteville. That's where my grandparents were living at the time. God got a hold of my heart, and he showed me that I was lost. All, just because I'm a preacher's kid did not make me saved. Just because I was baptized and everything else I'd done in church did not save me. I can't remember what time of the morning or night it was. I got up, I knocked on my parents' bedroom door, and they, I woke them up. They said, come in. I opened the door. I'm crying like a baby. They jumped out of said, son, what's wrong? I said, dad, mom, if I died right now, I'd go to hell. I want to get saved. I'm thankful for parents that didn't say but. Dad reached over, grabbed the Bible. We knelt at the foot of the bed. And I'll never ever forget that little dead-end street. God saved me. A missionary's kid on his way to hell. And I don't, listen, I just shared with you the gospel. And nobody can argue that. People like to debate everything, but they can't debate that because that's mine. 
Not even the devil can argue that. It's mine. So when you don't have to know the Bible from cover to cover. I don't. And God's used me. He can use you. Listen, we need to make ourselves available, not ashamed. The Bible says, Romans, Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth to, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And I like this right here, Romans 10.12. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Do you believe on him? Amen. You shall not be ashamed. Right. I'm just quoting scripture here. Yeah, Romans 10... Um, 2 Timothy 1.12, For that which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. But you know why I believe so many times we are ashamed? Because what 2 Timothy 2.15 says is very familiar passage, as all these are. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We are not spending time in God's word like we should, and therefore we're ashamed because we don't know how to answer. Listen, we have got the complete revelation of God. We believe it. We would die for it. It's time that we get into it. It's time that we get into it. Now, we saw who they heard, why they heard it. Now, what they heard. And we've got to get going here. So what did these prisoners hear? They heard Paul and Silas praying and praising God. Now, this is not normal in a jail room house setting. This was not something that happened every day, that they got together and had a service down there. It wasn't. But there are some things here. There's two things that I think is very important for us here, that we as Christians, the Christian has the sources of his happiness within him. External circumstances cannot destroy his peace and joy. And the second thing, the enemies of Christianity cannot destroy our peace. They may bind the body, but they cannot bind the spirit. They may exclude us from earthly comforts, but they cannot shut us out of the presence and sustaining grace of God. I know you don't know this. Uh, there may be a few in here that might, but in these 26 years that we've been a missionary down in Brazil, for this past 10 years, we have been in a court battle over the third church plant that we did. We're at the Supreme Courts right now. When this took place with the threats and everything that took place, and I mean, and all my children were smaller, and as a father, you're wanting to protect your wife and your children. All that. I'm human just like you. I got to the point where I said, you know what, all the accusations, if you would read everything that was said, I, I, I was so fed up. I said, you know what, I came down here to preach the gospel. If you don't want to hear the gospel, fine, I'll go back to working on cars. I'm human just like you. But I had to learn that my happiness, what keeps me going, aren't the circumstances. It's him. If he was so loving that he sent his son to die and pay for my sins, what is it for me to suffer a little bit if I can call it suffering down here? Listen, we've got to rejoice. We've got to let the world know, yes, things are happening all around us, negative things. But I'm not basing my faith. I'm not basing my trust. And my happiness doesn't come from this. It comes from him. And if I've got him, he lives in me. So it comes from me. And that's what we need to see. The Bible says in Psalm 69, 30, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Hebrews 13, 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Yes. 
I love this verse. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. That word continually, and I, I'm better in Portuguese than I am in English, but the continually is not a difficult word to understand. It means on and on and on. It's not when things are going right, I will worship. It's when things are bad, I'm also going to worship. When I'm driving down the interstate and somebody cuts me off, I'm still going to worship. Listen, uh, if you got a blue light special, you're still going to worship. Say, well, in everything, continually. You know what, if we had this, not, and this is great, I'm not against what, we, what happened here today, don't misunderstand me, but I'm talking about this has to happen out there so the world can see the joy that we have in Christ, so that they can feel the joy that we have in Christ continually. And the last thing, where did Paul, uh, where did these prisoners hear this? Obviously, they were in prison. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. But Paul and Silas, they went to prison. Now, I do not believe that they got up that morning and they said, you know what? Paul looks over at Silas. Silas looks at Paul. Let's go out there and pick a fight. I think we need to get thrown in jail today. I, I don't believe that happened. And, you know, I, I, I don't think that it was anywhere in their mind. It was not on their agenda. But let me tell you something. It was on God's agenda. And I believe here, and I've, I've read the scripture, I've studied this here, trying to find if there was at any point in time in this situation where Paul and Silas offered any resistance. And I don't see it. I don't see it. You know why? I believe there was such a trust in God from them that they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. God didn't save us just to save us. If we're still here on this planet like you and I are, we're looking at each other. God has a purpose. for. If he, God did not have a purpose for you, he would have taken you home. But he's got a purpose for you. So the prisoners not come to Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas went to the prisoners. Once again, we talk about how we were once bound in prison, the prison of sin. Now we're free. There's a world out there that's bound. They're not knocking on the doors to come into the church. It is our responsibility to go to the, the, that prison out there and tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, are we going to where they are? Luke chapter 14 and verse number 23, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. One more word in this verse is compel. That's a powerful word. Yes. You know, I could just, you know, when I was younger and down in Brazil, even to this day, I've never been treated like I was treated in this country as far as handing out tracts, once up in Madison, Wisconsin. And once when I was small, I remember my parents were on furlough and I can't remember where we were and went up to this door and the guy met us with the double barrel shotgun. I mean, you, that happened in this country, not in Brazil. And you're thinking, whoa. You know, and so you get to the point where so many times we just gonna we just uh, you knock on the door kind of like to where nobody hears you, or you just kind of well doesn't look like anybody's home. Just try to stick it in the crack of the door or hang a door hanger and all that kind. That isn't compelling. That's right. Compelling means that you're gonna insist. Amen. 
Listen, I'm losing, how many piano players do we have in the church here tonight? Well, oh, wow, praise the Lord, thank you for those hands. I just lost my piano player, my son. When we go back to Brazil, we're without any instruments. We do have a clarinet that my wife plays, but clarinet is not a lead instrument for song service. And these hands that were raised, thank you so much. We can talk and get your passports and everything after the service. A mission, mission service. And you say, well, then I'll compel you with the filet mignon. We have gold mines around us. I mean, I'll try to do things to compel. Listen, we need to compel people to come to Christ. That means not that you're going to be forceful or rude, but ordained and anointed by the Holy Ghost that lives within us. We need to allow him to work through us to compel. Don't give up. Don't give up. Compel them to come, and he says, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Listen, we talk about the house that he's built for us in heaven, the mansions up there, the city, the beautiful place that it is. And he wants it filled up. And it's our responsibility. So go back to the question, have you been heard, and what are they hearing from you today? Not just out of your mouth, but your life. Does it really honor and glorify God the way it should? Am I working to compel people, not for my salvation, I'm saved, but am I working to fulfill the obligations and the commands that God has given me to do? Look at Paul and Silas in jail, singing and praising. If anybody had a right to say, I quit, it was them. I know we face all kinds, and the Bible does not guarantee us. Salvation does not say that, hey, once you get saved, everything's going to be a bed of roses. It doesn't. Once you get saved, it's going to be worse because we're living in the powers of principalities of darkness. And that is where we need to shine. 